Praise God from the heavens. Praise God in the heights. Praise God, sun and moon. Praise God, all you shining stars. Praise God from the earth, mountains and hills, creeping things and flying birds. All peoples and all rulers of the earth, old and young together. Let them praise the name of God, for God's love is exalted. Thank you, Wu family. Good morning, Middle Church. Good morning. I'd like to invite the parents and godparents of Julian Olson Spicala to come forward for this holy sacrament of baptism. We'd also like to have our We Care friends come and sit up on the floor here in front of us. Welcome. <laughs> and come stand forward, please. Yeah, come on. yeah, so everyone can see you. Uh, and let's scoot over this way a little bit. So, <laughs> Reverend Amanda's not back then over there. Good morning. In a community as diverse as Middle Church, baptism means many things to us. It's a cleansing ritual we've borrowed from our Jewish friends. It means dying to an old way of life and rising to a new life of hope and joy. It means belonging to a community who loves you just as you are, who holds you accountable to the loving way God wants us to be. For Julian and all of our children, baptism reminds them of the tender care of bath time. Do you like bath time? Yeah? Maybe splash park time? Maybe the splashes of your big brother. Big brother, do you want to come up? Okay. Yeah. You're welcome to. Or a distant echo of the comfort in his mother's womb. In our tradition, we baptize adults and infants because we know that God is the one who acts to invite us, to claim us, even when we don't speak the language of God. The psalmist reminds us that God knew us when we were still being formed in our mother's womb. <laughs> even then, before, even then, God knew us and loved us completely. We are members of God's family, and today we celebrate the sacrament of baptism as a sign that we all, all of us, in this place and beyond, belong to God. <laughs> Aww. We're going to try this. How are you today, Julian? <laughs> today we baptize Julian. Beloved child of God, that he may grow to know and love God through his whole life, and that we will, oh, let's try, come on, hey, his whole life long. Oh, Kathy and Rob as his parents, and Jennifer and Colleen as his godparents, will you pray for Julian? <laughs> Will you teach him the way of love? Will you care for him and shepherd him as God shepherds us? If so, say, we will. 
Middle Church, will you pray for Julian and be a safe place for him and all children, both to grow in faith and in confidence of God's love and grace? If so, say we will. We will. We care, children, and all children of Middle, do you promise to show Julian and his brother where all of the special toys are upstairs? And will you be a good friend to them? If so, say we will. We will. All right, let us pray. Holy One, Julian is your beloved child. We ask you to bless his life with your mercy and goodness. Walk with him, shelter him, inspire him, comfort him, and lead him in the path of love his whole life long. And all God's children say, amen. Amen. Julian Olson Spicala. <laughs> I baptize you in the name of God, who Jesus called Abba, Father. I baptize you in the name of Jesus, who said, let all the children come to me. And he loved them and welcomed them. And in the name of the Holy Spirit, who will comfort you and guide you in God's love your whole life long. Amen. Middle Church. This is our son, Julian Olson Fatala. Come, let's go, let's walk with him. Thank you all. Hi, hi. We're gonna walk through so that everyone gets to see him and welcome him into our family. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Here you go. Yes, my friends, as we continue uh, with our hymn, Sweet, Sweet Spirit, if you would stand. Yes. Okay, middle, here we go. There's a
Good morning again. It is time now for the message for all ages. We'd like to invite our young friends and young at heart back up. And I need to get my purse. I have something very special in it. As Sarah helps us with the blanket, thank you. We have a tired Skylar. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. Thank you, friends. Wow. Hey, Freddie. Wow. So we're going to talk about baptism because we're inviting you all up to get front row seats to these special baptisms that we do. So I'm just wondering, really, what is a baptism? In your own words, what is a baptism that you just saw with Julian? What do you think that was all about? Anybody have any thoughts? Yeah? Maybe they were um, making him become, well, a child of God. Maybe they were making him become a child of God. Yeah, that's great. Baptism is an expression that we do to show everybody God's love and God's acceptance of us and God's promise to take care of us no matter who we are or how old we are. Do you think you can only get baptized if you're a tiny baby? Or do you think maybe you could get baptized no matter how old you are? Which one? No matter how old you are. Anybody who wants to say, yes, I know that God loves me and I want to be part of God's love in the world can get baptized. Now here's another question. We just baptized Julian where? Did we baptize him here or upstairs in my office? Here. Why do you think we baptized children and people here in the sanctuary? Like a holy place. Oh, like a holy place. It's very holy here. It's a, yes. it's a place where we connect with God. A place where we connect with God. That's right. And we baptize people during worship because we know that part of baptism is also a reminder of all of us that we play a part when people are baptized too. We have an obligation to welcome people into God's family, and we have an obligation to take care of each other. Here's my last question. Why water? Because it's in the Bible. Water's in the Bible. Not only is water in the Bible, there are a lot of powerful stories about water in the Bible. Can you think of one? Brooks is ready. And there was a flood. A flood? And that story is a reminder of God's promise. Any other water stories? Dominic from the front row? Rain. Rain? Yeah, rain. Mother Nature is powerful. Carlo? Uh, sinks. Snakes? Sinks. Sinks? Okay, last one. Be because um, water gives, it, there wouldn't be any life without water because water gives trees and trees give us air and we also need water so we don't Water is die life. That's beautiful. Gabrielle? I love my mom. I love, I love my mom. Yes, water. I'm going to finish now, Carlo. You all have some great answers, and you can keep talking about that all day with all the friends here. Water in the Bible. Also, we see when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. We know that water is what protected baby Jesus in Mary's womb. We know that water was part of the Red Sea when the Israelites were led to freedom. So water means something to us. It means liberation. It means acceptance. It means freedom. It means new life. 
okay? So we're going to do something different today for today's prayer. I want all of you to stand, please, if you're comfortable, and to put your hands like this in front of you. And I have a special water thing. It's a squirter. And I'm going to squirt in your hands as a reminder of God's love for you and God's desire to have you in this family that you're already part of. And as I do, when you feel the water, I want you to say loudly and proudly, God loves me. And when they say that, church, family, I want you to say, yes, God does. Okay? We'll start with Sandrine. God loves me. Yes, God does. Skylar. Okay, we'll do Dada. God loves me. Yes, God does. 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 Leslie? God loves me. Yes, God does. God loves me. Yes, God does. Yes, God does. Levi? God loves me. Yes, God does. God loves me. Yes, God does. And all God's people say, Amen. Let's sing Sia Hamba. Good morning again, Middle Church. Thank you all for worshiping with us on this beautiful day. We're so grateful to have each and every one of you who are worshiping with us. And a special greeting to our friends who are worshiping with us online, wherever you are, in your coffee shop or in your pajamas, eating the bagel. Know that God, God loves you. Sorry we can't spray you through the magic of television here or online. Uh, this Sunday, we are celebrating Asian and Pacific Heritage uh, Month here at Middle Church and throughout the U.S., and we are grateful in that this morning we had three uh, elders in our congregation who were all in the consistory uh, offer our sermon this morning at 9.30, and today, this morning, this after, later morning, we have Rabbi Angela Buckdahl, who's the senior rabbi at Central Synagogue. She's the first... She's the first woman to be the senior, minister, senior rabbi at that congregation and the first Asian-American to be a rabbi. And so we are so grateful to share in her history and her amazing work of love and justice, and we're great to partner with you and so grateful to have you today. I also want to say, if you're visiting with us, I know we have a number of guests, if you're visiting with us for the first time, please raise your hand so that we can recognize you. Thank you. And can you also say where you're from? Dallas, Texas. Welcome, welcome. Over here somewhere? Yes. Harlem. Coming from Uptown. We have some friends from Arkansas here in the back. We were with them during uh, our young adult and in the middle time. Anyone else? Yes. 
Upper West Side. Thanks for coming down. Yes. I'm sorry. Anyone else? Yes, in the back. From Venezuela. Welcome. Anyone else? Any other friends that may, may have missed? Oh, yes. This beautiful family. So this is the Spicala Olson family. And um, just this Friday, uh, they renewed their wedding vows on Friday night. And family visiting from New Jersey and Pennsylvania, no, California and Vermont. So, and North Carolina. And so thank you all for worshiping with us. If you're interested in joining the movement for love and justice that is Middle Church, I invite you to see one of our ushers after worship or uh, me here at the front of the sanctuary. We have a number of announcements, and I just want to let you know some amazing things that are happening. Um, everyone's hopefully been paying attention to the, it's not, it's not necessarily about abortion, but it's about really the rights of women to be able to make a decision about what's right for their bodies. And we're having a rally. Thank you, Reverend uh, Amanda is going to be leading that uh, here on the front steps at noon on Tuesday. Uh, this is a national movement, and, but we're the first church in New York that signed up and said that we're going to be a part of it. There also is going to be the Resistance Revival Chorus, and they're going to be here. And so please join us. There is a Facebook RSVP that we'd like for you to fill out. If you go online, fill that out just so we know how many people are coming. We'd love to see you there Tuesday at noon. Uh, there's also a rally that afternoon if you can't get away during the workday at 5.30 at Foley Square. Um, on June 2nd, our amazing Jerice Johnson Gospel Choir is hosting... Uh, their spring concert at 2.30 on June 2nd. Hope to see you there. On June 19th, we are hosting, in collaboration with Union Theological Seminary, uh, an opening to an art exhibition that's going to be here in our church uh, in the social hall and up on the third or fourth floor called Queer Faith. And uh, the title for the event is Queer Faith, Spirituality, and uh, Freedom. Spiritual Freedom Since Stonewall. It's a fundraiser to help support our LGBTQ ministries and other ministries here at the church. I hope that you will come out. It's $50. Bring a friend. Um, we hope to see you there on June 19th. Um, also, I want to let you know that uh, in the, we're in the process of reaching out to every, men of, every member of our congregation here at Middle Church. And so you'll get a call from someone who's a staff member or maybe one of the consistory members or some leader in our church. Please take their call. It would be a great thing if you took their call and just said, hey, yeah, I worship at Middle, and here are how things are going for me. Like, we just love to hear um, how your experience of the, of, is of the church so that we can better serve you. Will you do that, friends? Yes. Thank you. We appreciate it. Also, uh, we're having our first uh, experience of going out and sharing food with folks who are homeless this afternoon through our butterfly ministry. We still need four people to help distribute sandwiches. If you can raise your hand so that, oh, we got one in the back. Two, three. Four, five, we'll take all of them. Sold. See Gloria after worship in the social hall. Uh, and Middle Out Loud is also meeting this afternoon, so see Elise after that. Um, again, friends, we're so grateful that you're here. Um, thanks for bringing the heart that you do to worship. And now I invite my colleague Christina to come forward for a time of prayer. Good morning, Middle family. If you'll just put your feet firmly on the ground, sit a little straighter up, and if you will extend your hands so they can receive and put them either on your thighs or wherever you're most comfortable. Take a deep breath with me into the soles of your feet and exhale. Breathe into the core of your being, God's peace 
and breathe out all the anxiety. Hey God, it is us. And in Leviticus today, you talk about a year of Sabbath. You talk about an intention for rest and a feeling of freedom. So in our bodies right now, we imagine the things that hold us tight loosen a bit. The fears that might grip at our stomach release. And we imagine our bodies feeling safe and free. We thank you, God, in the text said earlier this morning, talks about a new Jerusalem. And it was written at a time after the temple had been destructed. And people needed a new vision. We were, and our roots are, Jewish. After the temple had been destroyed, you reminded us that you would wipe every tear and you would make all things new. So today, God, we imagine ourselves held in your arms that where we can rest, you comfort us because women's bodies have felt assaulted in Alabama and Missouri and in our own lives. We ask that you give our country a vision of compassion and a vision of freedom. We ask that our leaders not be casual when they talk about military action and handle delicately our relationships with Iran and other countries. Guide our country and our leaders and world leaders towards greater peace. And as the 65th anniversary of the Supreme Court decision of Brown versus the Board of Education was honored this week, we celebrate the generations before us that put their lives and bodies on the line to bring about a new Jerusalem, to make new things happen. And all along the way, you held their hands and you were at their backs. We lament the blatant racism at our borders today, and we honor the history that built those walls initially for Asians to leave Asians out of the United States. And we thank you for heroes like Takao Ozawa, who was an Asian man in California who brought to the Supreme Court in 1922 and said, hey, I am an American too, give me citizenship. And when he first did that, it was not given. But it takes people to step forward and try new things and try a new Jerusalem for us to get there. We thank you for the innovation and artistry and creativity of Asian Pacific Americans. Writer Amy Tan says about her love of creating words to me, our magic. You could say a word and it could conjure up all kinds of images or feelings or a chilling sensation or whatever. It was amazing to me that words had this power. So we claim the words in our bodies this morning, God, and the words that we dream about saying and the words we want to live into as a nation. 
And may each body here today feel the feeling of freedom and help us as a nation to live into more freedom for all. Amen. If you will um, rise if you're able and join the hand next to you if it's willing to be touched and um, say the Lord's Prayer together. There is a, an inclusive version printed in our bulletin, but if you, have, if you want to say it in the language you grew up in or the version you grew up in, please do. Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please pass the peace of God to not only your friends, but definitely those you don't know this morning. Peace of God to you. concert is coming up June the 3rd, right? Yeah, yeah, just seeing who was listening. June the 2nd. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to like make an unreasonable request of you uh, and viewers online. And that is, uh, we always take it for granted that people are going to come to the concert because it's happening. And I promise you that's not the case. If any of you guys have a band and you go out and play places, you're always asking people to come because it's not a given that the house will be full. But, but the unreasonable request is that you take time to invite someone. If the choir has moved you in some way over the weeks you've been here or months or years, that you make a reach out to someone and say, I really want you to hear this group because they're in my church and Every time they sing, something amazing happens, and I want you to be a part of that. Like a personal request. Facebook is amazing, but it's just one of those things you can, you know, walk on by, or you can like it. You can like it. Ooh, a thousand likes, 20 people in the audience. So, but the personal touch, 
the personal touch, when someone takes the time to invite you, there's something else involved. There's something else involved. This choir has been here in the East Village in this church for 33 years. It happened at a time that the church was in decline, and the minister at the time, Gordon Drott, asked people in the congregation, what can we do to help build our church back up? And Jerese Johnson answered that call with this choir. 33 years later, this choir is here because Jerese had that initial dream. And the Second Avenue Street Fair, in case you didn't know, that started here. That started here with a member saying, we need to do something. So I would invite you to invite people on June 2nd to come yourself, to make plans, to be intentional, and to fill the house with love on that day that we could celebrate ourselves together. Thank you, Middle.
scripture reading for this morning, or afternoon now, comes from Leviticus chapter 25, verses 10 through 14. Listen to a word from God for the people of God. You shall hallow the fifteenth year, and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. You shall return every one of you to your property and every one of you to your family. That, ooh, I'm sorry, 50th year, clarify that. That 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. You shall not sow or reap the aftergrowth or harvest the unpruned vines, for it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat only what the field itself produces. In this year of jubilee, you shall return every one of you to your property. When you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not cheat one another. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I feel a little bit like after uh, that incredible baptism and these beautiful children up here, we didn't need to have any more worship. That was it. And then I thought about the message I wanted to give today, and I thought that that was just embodied by the gospel choir. It's literally the message I want to give with such a spirit that I was like, we're done. But, <laughs> but because I feel like a real friend of this church and I did prepare this, I'm going to say it anyway. But, but the message is there already, and I love it, and I'm so moved. I'm here because I really feel that I am a friend of this church, and this church has been a friend to me. Um, we've had your pastors, uh, Pastor Jackie Lewis spoke at, at, at Central Synagogue on Martin Luther King um, Shabbat a few years ago. Um, your Reverend Bertram Johnson came and joined us on the pulpit after the terrible shooting of the synagogue in Pittsburgh and shared with us in comfort and fellowship. We shared about a learning about race and justice here as a community doing social justice work together a few years ago. And Reverend Jackie Lewis and I have had a few opportunities to speak together on the Today Show, um, including after the Pittsburgh shooting. And I love that the fact that the face of religion in America were two women of color speaking to, speaking to America. Preaching. It's not your grandfather's church or synagogue, and um, we were preaching solidarity and love. So I'm really deeply honored to be here. I feel like I'm amongst friends. So in the Jewish community, we have a scripture reading cycle that breaks the Torah, the first five books of Moses, into 52 sections, one section every week. And the passage that Reverend Johnson read is from this week's Torah portion called Bahar. And you heard, proclaim liberty throughout the land for all its inhabitants. This is probably a very familiar passage to you, even if you don't go to church, because it is inscribed on the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia. But I first learned about the importance of liberty from my Korean mother, because she was born into occupation. My mother was born in 1942 in Japan during the Japanese occupation of Korea, which began three decades before. Her parents had to give her a Japanese name, Yukiko, because she was not allowed a Korean name. 
Her Korean mother, which is my grandmother, was forcibly taken from Korea, kidnapped to Japan at the age of five, along with hundreds of thousands of other Koreans over many years, some artisans and intellectuals who were taken to enhance Japanese culture and education, and some who were women and girls used as comfort women, the euphemism for sex slaves. Now, my grandmother was one of the fortunate ones. Her parents were academics, and she was young, so she learned Japanese easily, which was important because the speaking of Korean was forbidden in Japan. Now, my Korean grandmother lived in Korea. I'm sorry, my grandfather, my Korean grandfather lived in Korea at the time, and he was part of the resistance movement to free Korea from Japanese occupation. He helped organize and march in demonstrations, which over the years had an estimated two million Koreans participating. Japan violently suppressed these protests, killing an estimated 50,000 people in their desire to keep control. My guess is that most of you don't even know this story at all. But their desire for liberty was so strong, they didn't stop. And he was a message runner. He ran messages back and forth between Korea and Japan to Korean nationalists who lived there. And this is eventually how he met my grandmother. She ran a boarding house, and she was also an excellent cook. And the lore is that he fell in love with her cooking first. <laughs> Now, even after they got married, he was still running messages back and forth from Japan to Korea and Korea to Japan. And every time he was in Japan, it seemed that my grandmother would get pregnant with another child. <laughs> my mother was the fourth of nine. So the end of World War II brought the end of Japanese occupation of Korea. And my mother, who was only five years old at the time, was finally free. Her mother renamed her Solja, giving her a Korean name, which means Snow Queen. And she tells the story of how my grandmother, who had become a very successful businesswoman in Japan, sold everything that they had To prepare for the move, they strapped a belt with money on it on each of the children in case they should get separated on their journey back home. Well, they all made the trip safely, finally free in their own homeland. But my mother said this liberty was not exactly what she expected. That Japanese money after the war, well, it was worth less than kindling for fire. And they left Japan comfortable to come back to Korea destitute. She told stories of how Korean neighbors, including family, rejected her mother because she spoke Korean with a Japanese accent. She was seen as a foreigner in her own native land. My mom told stories of begging for rice from her uncle, who allowed her only to lick the leftover rice off the paddle. They were desperately in debt very quickly. And while they were finally free from Japan, they did not feel liberated. It was my Korean mother who taught me that liberty is not just about being free from under someone else's occupation, it is about some basic measure of economic independence. It was my father's Jewish texts who provided an ancient framework for how we might solve this problem. You see, the Bible also understood this fundamental truth that some basic economic viability is deeply tied to freedom. But could the Bible have possibly imagined what the global economy looks like today? 
Oxfam recently did a study and found that income disparity has grown so much in the last generation that the 85 richest individuals in the world have as much wealth as the bottom 3.5 billion people. That is like having like this half of the room having as much money as half of the world. Now, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That expression you might think was written for this time, but unfortunately it was actually a quote from over 180 years ago by William Harrison. But actually in some ways it's a quote that we know all the way back from the Bible. And it was accounted for by our Bible 2,500 years ago. There was this deep understanding in ancient times that income inequality was gonna continue to grow and grow if it was unchecked. And so the Bible sought to regulate it. It's not that the Torah was promoting socialism, exactly, and it's not like there weren't some hierarchies in biblical times. Not everyone got to be the king, and not everyone got to be a priest. But there was no class system in ancient Israel, which is unusual for ancient cultures. There was no sense that you should be born in one place and only stay there. The Bible had a foundational belief that all people were created equal, and that a primary basis for that freedom uh, oh, and deserving of fundamental liberties, and the primary basis for that freedom was a measure of economic independence. So that ideal, the economic ideal, was voiced by the prophet Micah, who aspired to a time when every person would sit under their own vine and fig tree. Think about that. If you want every person to have their own vine and fig tree. It means they have to have a little piece of land to have that fig tree on. And in order to reap the harvest of your vine, it takes years for a vine to produce fruit. So it means you have to have some stability in some space that becomes a home. But the reality was that even in biblical times, this didn't always happen. The rich would get richer and the poor would get poorer. And eventually, this growing disparity, people would become so impoverished, they would become enslaved by debt, sometimes selling themselves or their children into slavery. Yes, as you know, there was slavery in biblical times. And families would also be forced to sell their ancestral land out of desperation. They lost their vine and their fig tree. They lost their liberty. The result was, over time, a small number of people would become substantial, huge landowners with great wealth, and the rest of majority of society would become landless, impoverished, even enslaved. This was written 2,500 years ago, but doesn't this sound familiar? Now you might be thinking, but we don't actually have slavery today, but think again. There are record numbers of Americans who are in massive debt over a third of them do not think they will ever be able to get out of debt in their entire lifetime. That's an enslavement. 40% of the people in our New York jails, we should be so um, ashamed of this, are people who have not been convicted yet of a crime. They are incarcerated because they can't afford the cash bail required to stay out. Now, the vast majority of people incarcerated on Rikers Island are overwhelmingly people of color there for nonviolent, low-level offenses, there because they can't make a cash bail often less than $500. They have lost their liberty for being poor. 
We don't think we have actual slavery, but last year I spoke at a rally to help change New York's despicable child sex trafficking laws, which protects traffickers and not our children. We did win that legislation, thank God. But I still feel chilled thinking about a story I heard from one of the survivor's mothers. Her 12-year-old daughter was approached at school by a fellow classmate whose mother was so financially desperate she had sold her daughter into the sex trade and she had sent her back to school to coerce other girls to do the same. Hundreds of thousands of our children in America are sold into the sex trade. Hundreds of thousands. It is the second fastest growing crime in our country. Vast income inequality and its devastating consequences, they're not just ancient issues, they're very much alive today, and they are not, as you know, just economic issues. They are moral and ethical issues for us. And the Bible was concerned not just with making sure that people were free from oppression, but they would not fall into such financial straits that it would literally or figuratively enslave them, that every person had a fundamental right to the liberty and dignity of having our basic needs met. And in a country this rich, we should be able to do that. I'm gonna go back to the landlord's house and take back what was meant for me. <laughs> so this was the groundbreaking idea of ancient civilization. Proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. And the way that our Torah decided to make this happen, that we read about, that we just heard about, the Jubilee year, this is some radical Torah. Because it knew in the Bible 2,500 years ago that people wouldn't just let this happen or make it happen. They would have to actually make it happen in some active way because people don't want to give up the money that they've earned or they feel like is theirs. So there were some extreme measures. There was a way for the system to account for the fact that some people would have a bad crop year or unemployment or misfortune of some kind or maybe even some bad choices or bad luck. So here is the kind of radical Torah for redistribution and debt amnesty that is found in this week's Torah portion. First, the Torah describes this week a sabbatical year, which comes every seven years, where you're supposed to leave the land fallow and not till it and tend it, just eat what grows naturally. But also it says that debts need to be forgiven. Every seven years, like you relieve those debts, you get a clean slate. And every Hebrew slave is supposed to be freed every seven years. In the Jubilee year, which is every 50 years, the land that someone has sold out of desperation reverts back to its original owner, getting back to the aspiration that every person gets to sit under their own vine and fig tree. Now to our Western capitalist mindset, this is wildly countercultural. How can we give land back to somebody? How do we just forgive debts? Someone accumulated them. Isn't it their fault? They enslaved themselves. That's the way we think. But here are a couple of important principles found in our, in our Bible that reminds us some important truths. One, that land, it's not yours to begin with. <laughs> that land belongs to God. 
In this week's Torah portion, it says, since the land is mine, no land shall be sold permanently. You're all foreigners and resident aliens as far as I'm concerned. Live with that. Now, secondly, no one shall be enslaved because fundamentally our only servitude is to God. As it says in this week's portion, because the Israelites are my servants whom I brought out of Egypt, they must never be sold as slaves. This is truth too. Now it's humbling to imagine all the land and wealth that you've worked really, really hard for. Remember, it's not really yours. And that no person can enslave another, whether in body or even in debt. We're all entitled to some fundamental right for that liberty. Our Bible understands that in order to have this kind of freedom, we have to have some economic independence. That's absolutely required. This is a truth that was proclaimed by our common shared text in our faith, but it was also a truth that I really learned from my mother. And what makes me realize is this is a universal human need and desire and right that crosses all religions and all cultures and even all generations for all time. Now my mother's family story thankfully ended well because finally a kind neighbor gave my grandmother a small loan. She gave her a second chance and so my grandmother started selling a few books out of her backyard and then she opened a bookstore and then my mother worked in that bookstore, which gave her a great love of reading and books, which led her to be the first person in her family to graduate from university. And there she studied English literature, which gave her a love for English and America, which led her to meet my father, who came to Korea as a civil engineer on ROTC. And there in Korea, my sister and I were both born but it wasn't very easy to be a mixed race family in Korea at the time. So we moved to Tacoma, Washington, my father's hometown, so that we could have a Jewish community and a life. You know, it's your run of the mill, how I became a rabbi story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe it's not so typical, but it shares a foundation from all of our universal human stories that we've all had in our families, of misfortune and pain, of good luck, of second chances, kind neighbors, and of course, hopes always for a better future for the next generation. We can't control all that oppresses us or enslaves us or our neighbors, but we can decide how we wanna to respond to them. We can try to level the scales a little bit and our text would tell us we need to be a little bit radical about that. We can help restore freedom and dignity and liberty to all the inhabitants of the land. So people get ready, because this is what our faith calls us to do, and it's not easy. So let's get on board to proclaim liberty in the land for all its inhabitants. I want to end by singing because that's sort of the way that I can kind of express myself best, I think. And I know that you're going to sing along with me, right? So. Should I sing off of the other microphone or should I just stay on this? People get ready. 
Hi. My name is Kaede Helk. I'm from Japan. And I came to New York in 2011. As you know, as you know Japan is a monoracial country. I was one of the majority when I was there. And never thought about racism. Of course, I knew it through reading and studying. But I never experienced racism directed, directed toward me. When I came, to, came here to New York, the tables were turned. Suddenly, I was in the minority. And I could feel many people's attitudes and aggression. Worse than the outward aggression is the microaggression that all minorities experience every day. For myself, my English is not perfect, so it is sometimes you know, perceived as simple. But it does not mean my brain is that simple. 
My experience is as an immigrant, but there are many other types of minorities that experience the same things for different reasons, like the LGBTQ community and the people with different skin colors. And just add just two more examples. Anyone who is different in any way can be mistreated by microaggression, I think. We should all be able to say proudly, this is me. Here at Middle, I found a home where no one makes any assumptions and accepts everyone just the, day, just the way they are without judgment. This is a place here everyone can be themselves without anxiety. anxiety. Um, I have been given the chance and freedom to grow and contribute to our community. Middle Church is a place where everyone can make a difference to the world. It's hard to make a difference alone, but here at Middle, we can work together to change the world for the better. You are the ones we've been waiting for. All you ones coming together can be a powerful force of love to help heal the world. To keep, to keep this spirit of welcome and inclusion growing, we need your support. Please consider what you can give financially to fund this movement. And if you are interested in joining us, please come to the front of the sanctuary after the worship. We'd love to get to know you better. Thank you.
Dear God, please accept these tithes and offerings as a token of our appreciation for all you've done for us. And may these, these tithes and gifts be used to further the kingdom. Amen. Amen. My friends, in your bulletin, you will see a new hymn on the docket. Go make a difference. Would you rise as you are able and sing with us? May we feel the spirit of your liberating, loving waters through the voices sung from your beautiful community of all colors and races and nations and faiths as we go out to proclaim more liberty and economic justice for all the inhabitants of your land, O oh God. Thank you for the spirit of this day. Amen. Amen.
Thank <laughs> you.